0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Freed from Feminism. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about feminism and its relation to eating and cooking. You might think, what? How are they related at all? Well, (laughs) just a general overview to get us started. We noticed that there's a correlation between unhealthy eating habits and cooking habits and Feminism, not causation. So we're not saying usually we talk about things that feminism has caused and um, affected women. But rather, there's um, a relation here. The general relation is that women used to cook in the home. So the women would stay home and they would prepare meals. Now they're out working jobs. So who's making the meals? I mean, sure, she could come home and make them. But. I bet she doesn't want to because she's been working all day. So there's tension between her and the husband about where you're going to eat. And then it's just, oh, man, we'll just we'll just stop on the way home and pick up some fast food or we'll just pop this, you know, pre-packaged thing full of preservatives in the oven, you know, and, and the kids are eating dino chicken nuggets every night because she she doesn't have the time. So that's (laughs) generally this correlation we've seen. So we really want to dive deeper into that and figure out, you know, how is feminism really related to unhealthy eating and cooking habits? Absolutely.
1: And we know that this is going to be yet another one of our perhaps extremely sensitive subjects that we cover on free from feminism. And so right at the beginning, let's just say that this is not a condemnation of anybody at all. We are no. talking about this as purely health reasons. We're not talking, we're not saying, um, you know, a perfect figure is what we should aim for. We're, in fact, we're saying the opposite of that. Or at least I personally am saying health is what we should aim for. If you are healthy, great. Have a nice day. Bye. You know, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, uh, you have to be doing 60 crunches um, in 30 seconds. You know, Mm -hmm. that's that, you know, I certainly can't do it. I probably will never do it. Never have any desire to do it. So, but... You know, as Beth indicated, um, it's it's a disturbing reality right now that so many of us, specifically women, are um, not only overweight, but actually obese. Um, so I think, you know, we just need to talk about it and make sure that um, we identify the reasons by if, if we are overweight or obese, identify the reasons behind why we are treating our bodies like this and you know just start eating healthier and, and exercising if need be or or if you don't have a problem with that, um, perhaps something that we say today can give you a good um, a good starting point with someone that you love, maybe your sister, um, your cousin, your friend, etc. So, uh, Beth, do you want me to go ahead and talk about um, our statistics here? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So as Beth said, feminism uh, may not be the cause of unhealthy living. I mean, people have been unhealthy since the beginning of time. But um, it is likely the cause of what is termed the fat acceptance movement. And I'm sure you all have noticed this in magazines and sitcoms in the music industry lately, this moved toward the, you know, quote unquote, ideal woman as being larger. And, um, I remember a specific, uh, I think it was GQ cover. It was probably at least three or four years ago now where there was a, a, a woman portrayed in a very sexy, like, um, swimsuit, but she was, a very, very large woman, I'm talking about severely obese, um, probably a hundred or more pounds overweight, perhaps even 200 pounds overweight. So I mean that, uh, that's kind of what we're we're talking about. And it it actually has a name, the fat acceptance movement. There's organizations, there's uh, groups, formal groups pushing this from behind the scenes to um, lobby these studios and newspapers to normalize this and to glorify obesity. Um, and, you know, I don't think we're going to go into maybe the history of how that happened or how weight has fluctuated throughout time, because in reality, none of that matters. Um, as Catholic women, we we must find our self-worth and an identity in our Lord. If, if we find it outside of that, you know, it's, it's always going to be fleeting. It's always going to be emotion based. And, um, like I said, I, I mentioned before, nothing else matters except being healthy. It really doesn't. Everything else is vanity and, um, we just need to move, move past it. So let's, uh, Talk a little bit about the statistics that I mentioned. So these these come from the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control um, from the U.S. government, and I think one of the stats is also from CNN. So the prevalence of obesity is forty percent among young adults, twenty to thirty-nine. That's not overweight. That is obese. And according, so this is the CNN fact, 60% are overweight and obese. So 40% of those are obese, 20% more are overweight. So 60% of the adults 20 and up are overweight or obese. Among the women in that group, the prevalence of obesity was 40%, 39.7%. Um, among those aged, uh, 20 through 39 and then 43% a decade later. So it, it, it gains by, you know, um, significant percent in the, in the, you know, decade age group that you belong to. The women had a higher prevalence of severe obesity, 11.5% than men, which was 6.9%. So we have a serious problem <laughs> because that cannot be good. Um and as we all know, overeating is usually an indicative of an underlying problem. You know, we all don't just love food so much that we we have to eat it all the time and and you know, um not really care how our body looks or feels or functions it's it's an underlying problem there's an underlying problem there stress issue with self-worth so it it sounds like we may have a bigger problem in this country besides weight i mean because that that uh certainly food is is only a a portion of
0: that problem what do you think beth no i i love how you put that there too that like it's, there is a big problem and it's an underlying problem in our society. It's not, like we said, it's not causing, like, okay, feminism exists, therefore people are now overweight. No, most likely it's due to the production of food, like, uh, you know, industrialization and stuff and mm-hmm. uh, making unhealthy uh, foods. But the underlying problem is that, Why would we eat this? Well, one, laziness, I guess, but also probably because you're feeling down. You're feeling anxious. You're, you're, it's just, it's too much. Uh, you're stressed. You don't feel like you have enough time. So you turn to these things that are in society. And as we've seen with feminism, it would make sense that, you know, for women to turn to these things, like, and not just like I gave the scenario of, uh, you know uh, a wife who works and and her husband works too and she's trying to feed the kids it, even single when I was single I I didn't I wasn't motivated enough to cook for myself so it was just easier to you know cook the fastest thing uh, because you're just alone and it's easy and it's it's available and it's cheap um, right yeah. Uh, yeah, actually on that topic, I had read a book recently or listened to it on, um, an audiobook about how, uh, baby food got to be a thing and how they were adding a bunch of salt and sugar to it. So now we are even more accustomed to those things. So not only are we stressed and anxious, but if we grew up eating like over sugar and salted food as babies and toddlers and kids, it's going to be even more prone. We're going to be even more prone to eat those things. So it's just, there's so many things that are related to it. Um, but in regards to the feminism movement, so now, now we said like, now all these people are overweight and feminism, just like, we'll find that we're just going to accept ourselves the way we are. We're beautiful the way you are. And it's, you know, you are beautiful, but to let yourself be in that state of, of gluttony almost, because if you're eating that often, that much you're probably being gluttonous and we shouldn't be just satisfied to be in that state.
1: Exactly right. We will never be able to fix our problems with food. Never. Yeah, believe me, I've I've struggled with my weight my entire life and it it does just does not work. Like I said, this this issue is so sensitive because This is not just a normal, like, um, subject for us, Beth, in that, uh, you know, you can kind of distance yourself from it. You know what I mean? Like women, women voting or women, uh, working Mm -hmm. this, this comes to the heart of each of us. So it's, it's so difficult because, you know, by, by doing this, by treating our bodies, um, you know, in an unhealthy manner, we're affecting our mentalities, we're affecting our self-worth, we're affecting how we, we think of ourselves. And as women, that's not something we think about, you know, maybe once, once a month, or, you know, occasionally, it's every day. It's every day. So this is something, you know, and I'm, I'm clearly, uh, you know, part of this. I, I do not have a, you know, a perfect grasp of this. I'm, I'm a work in progress as well. And now I have a daughter, uh, who I'm going to have to figure out how to raise her with a healthy self-esteem, not attached to this culture, um, and be healthy, and not attach, you know, emotions to food and such mm-hmm. because uh it's it's everywhere and going just a little bit back to that fat acceptance movement and and feminism um what beth do you think is the like the direct correlation between that or maybe not the fat acceptance movement or just but just overweight being overweight and being happy overweight and forcing people to accept that as beautiful basically telling someone else you must believe I'm beautiful
0: that is a good question I think I feel like the feminists kind of dove in and then they were like oh no and they couldn't swim and they noticed they looked around and they saw we're overweight and for feminists it's always goes back to it's not oh men and women are equal it's Women are greater than men and, and this self-obsession. So they don't want to admit that they're wrong about anything, maybe. And they think, well, we just need to accept ourselves the way we are. I don't know. That's that's my guess. What do you think? <laughs> no, I think that's a good guess. I think that's good.
1: I think it actually may be um, in addition to that, what you mentioned earlier I don't think it, it happened intentionally except for this formal movement now that they have. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But yeah. Originally I, d- I I think it just happened naturally. Like you mentioned when we first started, um, when women started working, suddenly that person who was creating healthy food at home wasn't there anymore. Yep. And so you see this, uh, huge movement. And I guess the, I guess it was the fifties, um, of boxed dinners, frozen dinners, mm-hmm. um, the ramping up of food ready to go, ready to eat. Mm-hmm. And obviously this also has to do with, with, in, you know, inventions, you know, the microwave and such, mm-hmm. um, uh, and the lobbying of, of those companies. So there's a lot at work here, but, I think that probably was the main cause in my mind, because once you take the heart out of the home, the homemaker out of the home, well, what do you, what do you do? Like you said, when you get home, you're exhausted. Your husband's exhausted. The children are exhausted and hungry. Are, are you going to make spaghetti from scratch? Yeah. Are you are you yeah. going to like start a rib roast at <laughs> 5.30 or 6? No, everyone's starving. Yeah. You order a pizza. An- another aspect now that I'm thinking about it, Beth, maybe also that once this started to kind of get out of control, it played into their hand because it reinforced their values of homemaking is not what you should be striving for.
0: The yeah you don't want to go back to the kitchen you
1: know like
0: exactly <laughs> Betty Friedan right there yeah.
1: you know homemaking was not a skill that you should be proud of mm-hmm. you know cooking went to the bottom of the list of oh okay nice you you're you're like your mother and your grandmother and your great-grandmother and next you know it it, it wasn't it wasn't something to brag about. It wasn't even something to be proud of. So perhaps maybe it was, um, maybe that's the direct correlation.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you and I have always mentioned to each other too, like going back to the 1950s, not necessarily the answer. I mean, like jello cake, not really something we need to return to. <laughs> it's unhealthy still. I mean, even though they had the woman in the home, um, it was unhealthy. And I think even then, You have the woman in the home, but there's almost an unrealistic expectation of her as well. Because you picture, you know, Donna Reed with her string of casseroles and her pearls. And, you know, she's made these wonderful things for her husband. that's just elaborate. And I think if we try to take a 180 and go exactly back to that, women are going to start feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, we've mentioned that it might be a problem to cook healthy as um like a working wife you're it's it's still hard now um in your homes when it's just you and all the children and it's it's easy for them too to just if you're a stay-at-home mom to easily go to whatever is easiest and and again we're not like this isn't an attack. These are all just observations. I mean, in fact, I was eating McDonald's chicken nuggets before we recorded this episode because it was one of those nights. So my bacon wrapped dates right hypocrite. here. Oh, yeah. That sounds really good. Um, so we're not trying to be hypocrites or anything. Or we're saying like, you need a perfect meal, healthy meal prepared all the time. These are, we like said it's not these are all there's so many different causes going into it, but it's like looking at cooking in a different way and not falling prey to the just, well, I'm fine the way I am and yeah. you know, trying to improve ourselves. Uh, and one one thing I'd like to go back to that you had said was um, teaching your daughter this man, like eating healthy affects men in a different way because you're talking about like their masculinity and stuff. Um and then more like self esteem with women, but also like we have to bear the children, and it's hard if you're not healthy, mm. and it really takes a toll on your body. Um, so I've noticed that a whole lot more because I've never been into exercising, but now I'm. It's it's I see that like our lives of just you know sedentary. Is that the right word? You know mm. where yeah like. We are like, we as women need to be caring and caring about it, not just to be pretty, but because we need to be able to care for our families and not feel so tired all the time.
1: Mm. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Don't have anything to add to that. That's, that's just a fact of life. That's biological nature right there. <laughs> like,
0: how about we kind of just dive into advice? Let's talk about like, examining this as Catholics and, and, you know, where, how are we supposed to look at this and how are we supposed to improve ourselves in, um, you know, cooking and eating right and exercising and, and those kinds of things? Yeah,
1: that sounds great. I have um, a list of four things that I thought of. Feel free to interrupt me or add or subtract or whatever. So the number one thing, and I'll go at it um, what I will try to instill in my my daughter the number one thing is stop listening to the culture. We are bombarded by messages about our bodies every single day. Like, I'm fat and you must think I'm beautiful. Or the opposite of that, the only beautiful woman is, you know, 5'11 blonde, 120 pounds. Stop. Just stop. If that means like deleting your Instagram account, your Twitter, delete it. If that means drastically reducing your media or TV consumption, do it, do whatever is necessary to distance yourself from the toxicity of the culture and basically how they're trying to indoctrinate you. Because what I've learned being married now for a couple of years, this is a hereditary thing. When you have low self-esteem about how you look, This is not something that stays in one silo in your brain. This affects your husband. This affects your children. This affects your relationship with other people. So we we have to find a way to stop listening to the culture. Number two, and I, I don't even know how this will be possible from my perspective, but we have to find a way to not compare ourselves with other women
0: hmm
1: we can't god made them who they are god made us who we are he created every single hair on our heads we are individual women made in god's image and we have to find our identity in that and that comes to number three is that realize our self-worth and identity come from god God created us, like I said, every hair, every bone, every curve in our facial structures, the color of our eyes. I mean, this is incredible if you think about it. When you think about it that way, it's it's like we are hating what God himself has created. He created us to look how we do. That's, I mean, obviously that's, that's saying we need to take care of ourselves as well. I mean, our body is the temple of God. But that also means that, you know, plastic surgery should never be an option for a Catholic. You know, cosmetic plastic surgery. You know, because you're you're messing with God's creation. How dare we? You know. And then the last um, suggestion I have is create a lifestyle that is healthy. Mm-hmm. Dieting has never worked not once with me. I can't do it personally. I'm. If other people can, that's that's wonderful. Just nope. I personally have to create an entire lifestyle that I can maintain for the rest of my life. Um, And I feel like this is kind of the reason for our show today, because we are very practical (laughs) anti-feminists. We do not have all the answers, of course, but we're here, hopefully, to kind of start a conversation about it and talk about what we're we're doing to try to stay healthy in our own lives. Do you have anything to
0: add to that list? No, that's perfect. You're right. It's just this, this whole feminism big is beautiful. It's not recognizing that like there is a problem with eating too much but then also recognizing that you are beautiful in your self-worth in God and making those lifestyle changes. If you have trouble losing yes. weight, you have trouble losing weight. Don't look down upon yourself. Don't be like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm not the thinnest as I could be. And, you know, like just don't hop on board the movement to just give up. Biggest beautiful is basically just giving up rather than continually finding your self-worth in God.
1: When you put it that way, that's that's actually really brilliant because... It's saying, I am not worthy to make myself healthy. So I'm going to make myself try to believe that I'm okay and force others to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Meanwhile, yeah. you know, I, I, I can't speak for these women, obviously, but I just have to assume that they're desperately unhappy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they are. And they've convinced themselves otherwise. From that, we I'm going to dive into some cooking and eating healthy tips that I was able to compile. Um, first, from our listeners, mm-hmm. uh, first we have Meg, one of our listeners. She is a Latin teacher, and I love when she mentioned cooking, she says it's like her point was really that it's not just a chore. You're not just doing this because you have to. There's cooking. There's so much more to it. Um because she's a Latin teacher, she had realized that the word companion is actually made up of the uh, prefix com, and then, which means together, and then pan, or if I'm saying those words, right, meaning bread. So we're talking together and bread, companion. So friends, family, eating together, I mean, it's all in the word. There's just, it's not just, oh, we're cooking so we can be healthy, and we can, you know, because we have to feed our bodies. It's we can look at cooking as a more, um, like a bigger thing than that. That Um, is beautiful. Isn't it? Thank you, Meg. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It is so great. Um, and so then for practical tips, uh, one of our listeners, Brian from the vital masculinity podcast, uh, he said, "Hey, Brian, yeah, he said meal prep on the weekend. So you're less likely to eat out on weeknights. Um, and that is good, or meal prep in, just in general, I think is what he was saying, Uh, which is one of the best tips, unless you're uh, me and my husband, who even if I have a meal prepared, we're like, you know what sounds good? Pizza and frozen <laughs> custard. And yeah, so it's a great tip. It really does help to fight off those cravings. We're just not as disciplined as we'd like to be. Um Anyway, so <laughs> some other tips that I kind of tried to think of that I've learned over the years. One, um, meat is always good uh, to eat, you know, like trying to be more protein heavy diet than carb heavy diet, but it can get really pricey. Um, so I tend to try to buy it when it's on sale and stock up rather than saying like, oh, I'd like to eat chicken this week. I'm going to buy this chicken, but it's overpriced this week. You know, likely a previous week they had chicken on sale and I stocked up then or at least I hope I did. So, <laughs> um, nice. And then do you next, have
1: to have to buy like a, um, what do you call it? A deep freeze or a separate freezer? I want do one that? so
0: bad <laughs> because I have the tiniest freezer. So I that would be my problem. Yeah, I stock up as much as I can. And then I just do it again and just wedge things into my freezer to make them stay. Um, <laughs> well, my goal is to get a deep freezer to help with that, but we'll see one day. <laughs> uh, so next thing, meal planning uh, is always a tip I've heard. I'm not very good at it. I kind of loosely meal plan. So I've kind of turned it into buy ingredients I use all the time and reuse them for another meal that week. So if I'm thinking, mmm, beef stroganoff, that sounds delicious. And I got this big old mm-hmm. thing of sour cream and I don't <laughs> finish it hey, I could make tacos the next night or some chili mm. or something. And instead of trying to go off of like, I'm going to make uh, th- these five meals that sound good to me, I try to get the ingredients to overlap so that I don't throw away a bunch of, you know, half-eaten sour cream containers So <laughs> and nice. other such things. Uh, another one that I've been trying to get into is taking all of my remaining veggies and putting them in stews and soups. And by the time I get to this, they're probably, like, completely wilted and almost molded. So I, I'm i not <laughs> as best as I could. But I sometimes, I'm like, these carrots have been in here for a long time. I better chop them up now. Um, <laughs> and soups and stews are really easy for, like, one of those quick nights. You just throw them all in. Um, and then another tip, uh, which I think everybody kind of knows this, but just buy the off-brands. Pretty much all of them taste the same except honey nut Cheerios. I don't know what they, that recipe must be locked up away in a safe. Place <laughs> all off-brand honey nut Cheerios taste disgusting compared to the actual ones, but hmm. um, <laughs> and then another thing I found is that you don't really need all the ingredients in a recipe. I like to be fancy sometimes and I'm like, I'm going to make this Thai dish and I'm going to buy these weird Asian things I'm never going to use again. So if it calls for something like use a similar spice, you don't have to buy that exact one unless you think you're going to use it again. Or like it calls for distilled vinegar, or like white vinegar. And all you have is apple cider. You don't need to buy more unless you're going to use it in some other way. Um, so, you know, those kinds of things like uh, using lemons and milk for buttermilk instead of a carton of buttermilk, if it's cheaper because you already happen to have lemons and milk on hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, uh, the, my last one, I recently discovered Aldi. I didn't grow up near anywhere that had Aldi, and everybody kept saying it was cheap. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to plenty of grocery stores. It's probably just the same. No, it is so cheap. And now we just, I'm booking it over to Aldi, even if it takes an extra four minutes to get there. Because it is really, really cheap. So, that is that is my tips for. Um,
1: well, happy. so is it is it it's cheap, but are are there like quality fruits and vegetables there? They like, don't do have, they have- a,
0: a huge selection. Like I wanted sweet potatoes the other day, and they didn't have them. So you know, but. I looked it up, and they just they sourced from, like, one supplier or something, so, like, everything is just this one brand, so you don't have this brand competition going on, like, are you going to get mm. Yoplait or Chobani, and yeah. they're not up in the prices that way. Um, the
1: answer so is Faye, by the way, to
0: that, what? but anyways, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um so I think that's how they do it. So far everything's been okay. I mean, I don't, they don't have like as elaborate of a selection. So you might need to tote on over to the, your regular grocery store to get maybe some kind of more odd items that you might need. But in general, like your basics, I mean, even the can of beans, you think that's cheap in the regular grocery store? Like I, I spent 39 cents on a can of beans the other day. Like <laughs> 39 cents. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Those are my tips.
1: <laughs> nice. Those are awesome tips, especially the, um, using, uh, a similar spice or, uh, you know, the, the buttermilk versus lemon and milk thing. Y- learning those tips, like you can make buttermilk without buying, you know, a, lo- a little thing of buttermilk, that has been so invaluable in, in my cooking experience because, oh, yeah. It's it's also just so much more convenient. Even if you can afford to like go out and and uh, get all the ingredients that you need for this fancy Thai dish, um, it's really handy to know which spices are extremely similar, which ones you can't use, which ones you um, you know should get fresh, which ones you should you know or can get dried that will last longer. It's a learning experience, at least it was for me, um, but it's it's been really valuable. So I like that for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, let's see my tips. Uh, for food, I have three tips. I am a amateur foodie a very amateur foodie. So I could literally spend the entire episode talking about food. So I am going to force myself to keep this extremely short. Um, number one, I'm trying to keep this to kind of healthy meals to keep this on the subject. So I've found that pairing a highly spiced lean meat with vegetables to be really awesome it's economical and it seems like, you know, the people I cooked it for enjoy it, mainly my husband, but also, um, you know, other family members. So, for example, searing chicken breasts on the stove and then finishing in the oven with salt and pepper and garlic powder and cumin and chili powder, Um, you know, all kind of staple uh, flavorful spices. Um, on a really, you know, good for you, inexpensive cut of meat. And then, um, you know, pairing it with sautéed vegetables or a salad. And it's super satisfying with all those spices. It makes it super satisfying, but it's not heavy. And it's um, really filling and, and a nice weeknight meal. My My second one is uh, for those people who may be single, because I was single up until I was about 30, um, 33. So I made a lot of meals just for myself. So if you're single or even if your husband is, you know, working and not there, make a batch of super flavorful, like healthy sauce of some sort, and then just toss it with sauteed vegetables on the stove really quickly um, what I used to do is do like sweet potatoes, zucchini, carrots, snap peas, or, and then maybe even add um, a lean meat. It's so versatile. I mean, you can mix it into uh, Greek yogurt and make a dip with it or sour cream. You can um, put it on a salad. You can find sauces like this on tons of websites, but the one I'm thinking of specifically is called Pinch of Yum. And she's on Instagram all the time, but she also has her own website called, um, just for the record, Pinch of Yum. And uh, she does a lot of vegan stuff or pseudo-vegan stuff. Um, so some things I could very well leave. But some of them, vegans have to, like, you know, make do with <laughs> lesser ingredients. So some of the things they do are really, really good and really flavorful. So her sauces can be really really awesome
0: so i, I need urge that each- in my life because <laughs> for the byzantine past, it's basically eating vegan and it's like yeah don't want pasta with tomato sauce every night oh my goodness this oh. is a great tip
1: <laughs> oh my word there is one of her sauces that uh it's cilantro parsley jalapeno avocado oh. um i think it's like greek yogurt or something like that I am telling you, it is so good. I want to put it on everything and it makes, you know, what would seem kind of like a boring, like uh, vegetables. Yay. You know, it makes it exciting. It really does. I highly, highly recommend Pinch of Yum for specifically that. And my last uh, tip, what has found um, a lot of use in my life is, when my daughter is asleep, when my husband and I have eaten dinner, inevitably that sweet tooth <laughs> comes up. And, you know, my husband is a huge ice cream fan. Um So it's been really hard to kind Kind of, um, you know, rein that habit back in both of us. So I've had to get inventive, and um, a couple of options to satisfy a sweet tooth after any meal really is Greek yogurt with honey. It's, um, I think it's a dessert in the Mediterranean culture, not Italian, but um, Greek, maybe Lebanese culture, and it is absolutely delicious. It is so good. It's simple. It's, um, satisfying, but really clean. Like I said, it's not, it's honey, so it's not processed sugar. So it, Mm -hmm. it, it makes all the difference. It's, it's really incredible. Dark chocolate. And, um, when I say dark chocolate, the higher the percentage of the cacao, the healthier it is for you. The higher the cacao content, the lower the sugar content in general. So can be be healthy for you, which is awesome. And it's just really good. If you're not used to dark chocolate, how I suggest to my friends and family is to work your way up to it. So if you're not used to dark chocolate at all um, and you're, you know, let's say you're used to just the Snickers and like the, the Hershey's milk chocolate. Start going up in in quality and up in cacao percentage. So just get get a, you know, quote unquote, dark chocolate that has 60% cacao. Try that for a while. And if you get used to it and love it, go to 65 or 70. And soon you will be eating 85% chocolate, uh, 85% cacao. And let me tell you, at 85%, it's actually an appetite suppressant. Mm. It is fascinating. I challenge anyone who is interested to try it and tell me what they think, because I have found one square of 85% like Ghirardelli chocolate to be an actual appetizer. It's amazing.
0: I love dark chocolate. That sounds.
1: (laughs) So do I. It's it's uh, it's an addiction. And my last um, sweet tooth thing is homemade hot chocolate. If you Mm -hmm. don't use the packets, it's actually not are nasty. for you. (laughs) They are (laughs) nasty, nasty. especially when you've had the homemade stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, you will never go back. And and I'm telling you, it's the easiest thing to do Mm -hmm. in the world. You literally, if you don't want to get fancy and you want hot chocolate, really good hot chocolate in like five minutes, go get a bag of the Ghirardelli 60% chocolate like the baking chocolate and whole milk heat up the milk stir in the chocolate (laughs) that's all so simple it's so
0: simple and it's really 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 good those are great great tips motivated (laughs) now to (laughs) eat something other than mcdonald's chicken nuggets for dinner tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow i am making yeah what's on the recipe yeah
1: I'm really excited about it. I am making, um, actually it's another Instagram account that I follow. It's half baked harvest. Mm -hmm. She is this, um, girl who lives, I think in like Colorado and she uploads pictures of her, her studio and her surrounding like home. And it's absolutely insanely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So that's side note. Um, just follow her for that. Um, but this uh recipe, she has, it's this chipotle cheddar corn chowder. So we're going to try that.
0: That sounds good. It does sound good. Yeah. What are you making? Of well, I defrosted some ground beef, so <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe something to use up my sour cream, like a little Russian dish. Like basically onions, ground beef, and a ton of dill. Because seriously, I went to Russia, they just throw dill on everything. Just douse it in dill really yeah they're all into it and it's, it's pretty good put some sour cream with it tasty i will probably do something mm-hmm. simple like that we need to go to the grocery store so it's making things work now <laughs> thank you everybody for listening to today's episode we hope that you were able to maybe think about eating healthy in a different way uh and that these tips end up helping you agreed thank you so much for listening